Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. I'm Pastor Jane, the care pastor at New Life, and if you're new here, I want to welcome you today. We're glad you're with us. We hope you enjoyed the refreshments. We hope you feel welcomed, and we want to invite you to stop by the welcome booth on your way out and get a copy of a book written by Chris Marshall, who is our lead pastor. He wrote Life Cycle of a Christian, and this is our gift to you if you're new visiting. Stop by and pick up a copy of Pastor Chris's book on your way out today. I also want to give you an update on our Cambodian team. We have a team of eight people that left this part of Pennsylvania and headed to Cambodia for a 12-day mission trip. The first group left on Friday. Six of them arrived safely in Cambodia. And right about now, they're getting ready to go to bed again, probably, because they're 11 hours ahead of us. So they're at the end of their day as we are starting our day. Pastor Chris and Mallory Bateman just left early, early this morning to join the team. So please keep our Cambodian mission trip team in your prayers over the next couple of weeks. As the care pastor at New Life, my primary goal is to help people grow as individuals and to step in and provide assistance whenever there's a need. And all of us have needs in our lives throughout time to time, and so sometimes the needs that we encounter in the care ministry are financial needs, and we try to provide financial help. Sometimes they are spiritual needs, and we strive to provide that spiritual help that you need. And often, there is a need to strengthen and encourage each other in relationships. Today's message is good news. I am going to bring you three tools that you can use to strengthen and encourage relationships in your life. I love delivering good news in the care ministry. So I hope that you receive this and that you are able to take this with you and that your relationships, all of them, will improve greatly. Through the summer series, we've been using this study guide. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. Uh, There was a gentleman, a Chinese pastor by the name of Walkman Nee, who, as he read Ephesians, told us not only is it a book packed full of riches, all the things that, that God wants to give to us as his children, but he also gave us three very specific things that we can do to grow in our walk with him. And the first is to sit in his presence, to know that we are seated by the left hand of Christ in the heavenlies, and that we are to sit in the presence of God. And then the second part of it is to walk, walk in his ways and stand firm in the truth and to stand firm when the enemy tries to attack us. We're coming toward the end of our study right now. And so today we're going to be talking about the relationships between parents and children, slaves and masters. And you may wonder why it's so important to talk about a slave and master relationship, especially in America at this time in our lives. But the slave-master relationship is very much like the employer-employee relationship that we all encounter. Let's begin with a word of prayer as we start our study this morning. Father God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you, God, for your love and your care. Father, we come to you now, and we thank you for your steadfast grace your steadfast love for the gift of salvation and eternal life. 
We thank you for coming alongside us in this life to grant us the abundant life that you promised us through Jesus. Today, Lord, as we seek to improve our relationships, we ask that you would help us to hear and understand how obedience and discipline and respect are all part of healthy relationships and empower us, Lord, to include them in our everyday lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week, Pastor Chris talked to us about the marriage relationship. He showed us that the Christian faith truly liberated women in a time of society where they were property. We've come a long way, baby. As we begin chapter 6, we're going to move on to the next relationship that Paul addresses, and that is the, the relationship between children and their parents. Paul started with the children. And you know, this was really really a very bold thing Paul did because children also were property. In fact, back when Paul was speaking, children were brought to their fathers at birth, and if the father didn't like the baby, didn't want that baby, if the baby was the wrong gender or he didn't have a relationship with that baby, if he rejected the baby and didn't pick it up, that baby was then abandoned. And those children then went into uh, slavery. Sometimes I suppose they were taken in by other families, but it was a practice that, you know, again, the woman wasn't even taken into consideration in that time. So the father made the decision. The father had absolute power. So Paul is speaking to children at a time when they were realizing that the Christian faith honored them as children. Jesus and Christianity brought a degree of love, respect, and nurturing to children that had never existed previously. Do you remember when the little children came to Jesus, when Jesus was, was teaching, and the disciples tried to shoo them away? Because they, they weren't important. The disciples thought that the adults needed to hear what Jesus had to say. And what did Jesus say? He scolded the disciples, and he said, let the little children come, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like this, to little children, people who have faith like children have faith. This was a radical statement. Children were considered property, and they were often mistreated or abandoned until Jesus came. Paul acknowledged and spoke directly to women, to children, and to slaves. Pretty radical for his time. <clears throat> I think it's a clear indication for us, and maybe a good thing for us to remember, especially this year, of how much the church's influence and the Christian faith is called to impact society. We do have a calling to make a difference in this world. We're going to begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 6 with verse 1. Very short verse. If you brought your study guides with you, we're going to begin on page 37. Otherwise, it will also be up on the screen. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Paul is teaching children that they matter, but they're never to use this new status in life as an excuse to be rude or to be bold or disobedient to their parents. In fact, Paul is rather blunt. Obey because it's the right thing to do. When Paul wrote the same type of letter to the church, uh, to the Colossians, he said it just a little bit differently. He said, obey obedience, obey your parents because it pleases the Lord. So whichever way he says it, there are two things that children are to remember. 
Obedience, you do it because it's the right thing to do, and you do it because it pleases God. Remember, Paul was writing to the church and speaking to Christians. He assumed that the children he was speaking to were followers of Jesus, and he assumed their parents were followers of Jesus. So he is speaking to the Christian children in a Christian home who are living under their parents' roof. Obedience on the part of the children consists of listening to the commands and advice given by their parents. We're going to go on a little bit where Jesus obeyed his parents, and we're told that we are to be like Jesus. So I want to stop for a moment and look back at what Jesus did. When he was 12 years old, he went to Jerusalem with his parents. He went to the temple, and he began listening to what was going on in the temple, listening to the scriptures and talking to the people involved in the teaching. And as you remember, his parents were on their way back home from Jerusalem, and they realized that Jesus wasn't with them any longer. So three days they looked for their son, and they finally find him in the temple. Now we're told that he didn't understand what the fuss was. He knew where he was, and he assumed that they would know where he would be. But here's what I want you to remember. In Luke chapter 2, we read this. We read this. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all people. And Jesus is our role model as children and as adults. Jesus was obedient to his parents. We are to be like Jesus. We are to obey. Obedience to parents is part of the divine law. Now, children need to realize that there are some things that have to just be accepted and obeyed, even though they might not understand why or see the significance of it at the time. Paul doesn't say, obey your parents if it feels good, obey your parents if you agree with them. He simply says, children, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do. Children who submit to parental authority are more likely to submit to God's authority later on in life. When children are trained to respond positively to God, when children are trained to respond positively to their parents, they are more likely going to respond positively to God. Let's go on now to verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. To honor and obey our parents means to value them highly, to esteem them, and to respect them. God saw this as being so important that he made it part of the Ten Commandments. That's what's referred to in this scripture that Paul has given. He says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. He is speaking about when they enter the promised land. They'll have a long life in the promised land. But it's also relevant to the New Testament because Jesus kept telling us we have good news for an abundant life. If you want to have an abundant life, a life that has joy and peace and meaning, be in a relationship following Jesus and have healthy relationships all around you. God promised that when we honor, respect, and obey, he has a special blessing in store for us. Obedience to God causes blessings to multiply. When children become adults and leave and cleave, as Pastor Chris says, when they leave and cleave, they are not any longer obligated to obey their parents. To honor is more than to obey. 
It is to respect and esteem, and therefore the responsibility to honor our parents goes on for a lifetime. That never ends. Now, some of us may struggle with that. You may struggle with these principles because you struggle with relationships with your parents. Many adult children struggle with hurts and scars from past relationships. In fact, many of us spend a lifetime trying to get approval from our parents, even yet as adults. Many are still wanting to hear the words, I love you, from their fathers or their mothers. Perhaps even now you're in the process of trying to break free from parents who, who may have been dysfunctional or even been hurtful to you. Perhaps you've been a little disrespectful and dishonoring of them. If so, I'm going to encourage you to go to them and say something like this. God commands that I love you and I honor you. As an adult, I don't have to obey you, but I don't want to treat you with disrespect. I want to obey God, and I want to obey his word. So I ask you to forgive me for my past disrespect, and from now on, I want to have a better relationship with you. Your parents may respond favorably to you. They may not. But make up your mind that you will show respect to them whether or not you get respect back. You will make peace. As much as the responsibility rests on your shoulders, you will have done what God expects you to do. If you honor your parents, God will honor you with faithfulness and your obedience. You please him. I want to make one thing clear. We are to respect our parents, but we do not necessarily become entangled in unhealthy relationships with them. For example, there was a young woman that I was helping, and she had recommitted her life to Jesus. She had been struggling with alcohol for a good many years, and her mother and her stepfather had come to her aid many times. She went through a recovery program. She rededicated her life. She was baptized, and she was growing in her spiritual walk with God, getting stronger every day. She finally made the decision that she wanted to go back and visit her mother and stepfather, and she wanted to make amends for the way she had mistreated them and used them during the days when she was using alcohol. When she arrived at their home, the first thing they did was offer her an alcoholic beverage, and when she refused it, they taunted her, and they teased her about being a goody two-shoes now. The visit was stressful. It was not healthy. She ended up leaving much earlier than she thought she was going to. But you know the good thing that came out of it? The good thing was she was able to tell them that she was sorry for her past behavior and thank them for standing by her at a time when she was too weak to stand on her own or failed miserably in areas where they stepped in and could help. The wonderful thing was that she showed love and respect, sought their forgiveness, and then was able to move forward with her life. That's what Jesus does for us. He gives us a new identity. What he did on the cross is that he changes our heredity. Maybe our, our parents and our childhood has brought things on our lives that give us negative reactions to things. But through Jesus, 
we get a whole new beginning and we can have new attitudes and we can look at things in a positive manner. We are no longer the neglected, rejected children of earthly parents. We are a child of God. He never alters our human nature, but he changes the way we think and empowers us to behave differently. I'm a very visual person, and I like to visualize Scripture when I'm reading, especially the Old Testament, because sometimes it's worded differently, and in order to really understand it, you almost have to have a visual picture of what is being said. One of the Scriptures that I like to think about when I'm feeling like I need set free from something is Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. But for you who fear my name... The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Can you picture that? Can you feel that freedom? Have you ever seen a little calf as they are learning to walk, and then they just kind of get their legs under them, and they start to prance? Can you just feel that? Can you picture yourself being set free from something heavy, You feel the sun of righteousness rising with healing in his wings, and you are set free into a healthy relationship. As we read through the book of Ephesians, I hope you see that God is all about relationships. First and foremost, our relationship with him. God's desire is for each and every one of us to have a a true and sincere relationship, a growing relationship with him. God speaks to us in a language that we can understand. You see, he speaks to us as a loving parent who is speaking to his adored child. In 2 Corinthians, we are told this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, and a new life has begun. A new life set free. As I was preparing my message, it didn't come to me right away, but a couple of days ago, I remembered a story I had heard, and I went back to the internet, and I looked it up, uh, just first of all, to make sure it was factual and to make sure I had the right names. And uh, there is a seminary professor by the name of Dr. Fred Craddock. Dr. Craddock was vacationing in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the 1950s, so the story I'm telling you took place in the early 1900s. You need to remember that because of the content. And remember, we've come a long way in many areas in our society. Dr. Craddock and his wife were taking a little vacation. Because he was a seminary professor, he was often um, interrupted when they would be together, and he just wanted to take her away and spend some quiet time with her. So they went into this little restaurant in Gatlinburg, and and as they sat down, they noticed a gentleman coming in. He was a distinguished-looking man with gray hair, and he was kind of going table to table, and Dr. Craddock leaned over to his wife and said, I hope he's not coming here. I'd like this just to be you and me. But he came over to the table, and he pulled up a chair, and he said, hello and welcome. Where are you folks from? And Dr. Craddock told him Oklahoma. He asked, what do you do? Dr. Craddock said, I'm a seminary professor. And this gentleman said, oh, you're a preacher who teaches other preachers how to preach. I've got a story for you. Dr. Craddock wrote, I was afraid of that. People always had stories for me. 
This was the story that he told that day. He said, see that mountain right out there? Beyond that mountain, a little boy was born to an unwed mother. Life was very hard for him growing up because everywhere he went, people asked the same question. Hey, boy, who's your daddy? That little boy started to hide. He would hide when he'd go to school. He would hide when it was lunchtime. He hid at recess. He didn't want to go to the drugstore. He loved to go to church, but he would always slip in late and leave early. But one day, the preacher got to the benediction a lot sooner than the little boy was anticipating, and he didn't get out in time, so he had to walk out with all the people. Just about the time he got to the back door, the new preacher, not knowing anything about him, put his arm around him and said, hey, boy, who's daddy? Who do you belong to? That's what he said. Who do you belong to? The little boy said, oh, no, even the preacher knows. And he just felt the heaviness of the moment. But God's Holy Spirit moved upon that preacher, and he had the gift of discernment. He could sense something was wrong. And right away he said, wait a minute. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance now. You are a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on the shoulder and said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. With that, the man stood up, and he said, that's a great story, isn't it? Dr. Craddock said, yes, it is a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And the man walked away. So Dr. Craddock said to his wife, I wonder who that man was. He didn't even introduce himself. He called the waitress over, and he said, do you know who that man was that was talking to us? She said, oh, yes, everybody knows him. That's Ben, Ben Hooper. He was our governor for two terms here in Tennessee. He was a child of God. He was the little boy in the story. There's a book out called The Unwanted Child, and it's his life story if you want to hear more about him. But that's the difference that someone made in the life of a little boy who was growing up in the early 1900s in the mountains of Tennessee who had no identity and no calling and no future. But when that preacher told him, you're a child of God, he gave him a whole new identity. And he went on to be a governor. Let's go on. Now we're going to talk to parents. Let's read verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, Paul did something revolutionary in his time. In a society where the father's authority was absolute, he is telling the fathers, take the children's feelings into consideration when you're disciplining them. Parents, we're stewards, not owners. We do not own our money, we don't own our possessions, and we don't own our children. We are to manage the, all these things. We are to manage on the Lord's behalf. The Bible tells us how we are to instruct our children, what we are to teach them, and how we're to deliver that message. And God started planting these principles in our hearts and minds in the Old Testament way back. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, he says, these commandments that I give you today 
are to be upon your hearts. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. These commandments are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, in the same book of Deuteronomy, you just go a few more chapters, and in chapter 11, verses 18 and 19, we read this. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your foreheads, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Must be pretty important. He mentioned it twice in the same book. Psalm 78, verse 4, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. Parents, we are to talk to our children about our faith and about the word of God. I just want to take a moment and talk to you fathers especially. Dads, do your children know your faith? Do they know what you believe? Have your children heard from your lips what Jesus means to you and the difference he makes in your life? It is so important they hear that from their fathers. The word fathers in the Old Testament was for fathers. In the New Testament, sometimes when the word is used, especially in today's first scripture, that we talked about fathers, it's a different form of the word and it means parents. Dads, it is so important that it come from you. We know that this life is a spiritual battlefield and we need to prepare our children for spiritual warfare. It's important to teach our children about money and how to handle it. It's important to teach them how to avoid peer pressure, to avoid drugs, alcoholism, how to succeed in school and manage good careers. But we also want to train our kids in spiritual warfare, teach them strategies on God's word, God's spirit, and prayer. Teach your children to pray. When we do this, we are preparing them to stand firm when the devil tries to attack them. It's our greatest calling. God does not leave us powerless in the lives of the very children he gave us. God gives us his word through scripture. He gave us brain power and experiences in our own lives to help us discover grace-filled pathways on which to walk with our children. Our children must come to know and understand that parents are also under God's authority. Even as adults, we are to live in obedience to him and respect others so that we will have healthy relationships in all areas of our life. That takes us to our take-home point today. Obedience, discipline, and respect are part of all healthy relationships. The next scripture reading addresses slaves and masters. Slaves paid a, played a significant role in the part of society. There were several million of them back in the Romans' empire. The Romans didn't like to do any work for themselves, so they had a slave for everything. 
Because many slaves and slave owners had now heard about Jesus and had committed their lives to Jesus and became followers of Jesus, slaves and slave owners had Christian relationships, and so the church had to address those relationships. What does that look like in a Christian home? Beginning with chapter, with chapter 6, verse 5, we read this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, we do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of you, slave or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Paul instructs slaves to obey their masters, whether they're good or bad. He reminds the slaves that their masters are only human, only earthly. The Christian slave has a heavenly Lord to whom he owes supreme allegiance. The Christian slave has one goal before him, and that is to honor and obey God. And he will do that in the way he honors and obeys his master. Their reward awaits them in heaven. They have a higher calling beyond this earth. The golden rule was then extended to the masters. In the most controversial of all relationships of the time, Paul says to the masters, treat your slaves the way you yourself would like to be treated. Though they gave the orders, they were to do so remembering that they were under the authority of God. Paul's statement neither condemns nor condones slavery. It simply tells masters and slaves how to live together in a Christian household. Though Paul was writing about master and slave relationships, for you and I, it very much applies to the employer and employee relationships of today. And I would guess that most of us in this room sometimes struggle in that arena. Whether you are an employer or an employee, we want to have healthy relationships, and that's not always easy to navigate. Employees who are followers of Jesus, we are to do our jobs as if Jesus is our supervisor. Employers who are followers of Jesus, your employees should be treated fairly and with respect. No matter whom you work for, no matter who works for you, the one we ultimately want to please is our Father in heaven. It's a biblical principle. It goes back to verse 7. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. As followers of Jesus, we do our best. We behave our best. We speak our best because we are living in obedience to Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, period. Although Christians may be at different levels in society, different levels in the workplace, although we, we live in different areas and serve in different ways, we are all equal before God. He does not play favorites. No one is more important than anyone else. It's not our human nature to eagerly submit to one another, is it? Or to gladly obey rules or to readily respect those who are in authority over us. 
and I don't know anyone who enjoys being disciplined. I don't know any adult that enjoys being disciplined, but I surely don't know any three-year-olds that enjoy being disciplined. God tells us that obedience, discipline, and respect are the building blocks of all healthy relationships. Today's commitment is this. I will walk in obedience, discipline, and respect this week. What would it look like if each one of us here really lived by that commitment this week? What would our relationship with our children look like? What would our relationship with our parents look like? What would our relationship with our employer look like or our employees? Would there be a difference? Would it be healthier? Paul's message today reminds all of us that we have a heavenly master to whom we all belong. And with him, no favoritism exists. God has no teacher's pets, and he's not impressed by one person more than another. Today's message reminds us that whether we are God's children, parents of God's children, slaves to God's children, or masters over God's children, as God's children, we are to live in a way that honors our Heavenly Father. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, we do thank you that you give us a new identity. We thank you, God, that when we give our hearts to you and we make the commitment to be followers of Jesus, that you transform our lives in such a way that we can speak to you through prayer, we can live by your power, by your spirit within us, and that our relationships, all relationships can be healthier and our lives can be better and, and more blessed, that our lives can be more peaceful, that we can have the abundant life that Jesus promised because it is a gift from you to us. Thank you, Lord, for all the riches that you have given to us that we have been made aware of through this book of Ephesians. Thank you for your love and your grace. Help us, Lord, to be able to walk in that commitment this week. May we walk in healthy relationships through the power that you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen.